Game of Thrones, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, and Bonte Games. This is Staying In. Uh, have any of you ever watched Liar Liar? Not for a long time. Liar Liar was um, the, the second film I ever saw at the cinema, and it was also the film that made my mum do the naughtiest thing I've ever known her ever to do, which was to sneak me into the cinema, even though I wasn't oh, old enough to see the film. That's nice. And I have a such a strong abiding memory of this moment. We It was in Showcase Cinemas in Coventry. Shout out. Which is still there. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember that she was so nervous, bless her, about going up to the, the ticket man. John Ticketman. Yeah, he, he was born for it. <laughs> <laughs> to get um, to get the tickets that she like had to send me me and my brother off to go and get the popcorn, but she made us specifically because how showcase cinema was back then was had you had the, the ticket men and women um, over on the left hand side, and in the middle was like a four way sort of. It was like it was like it was concession stand in the round. So it was like concession stand, but you could go at it from four different ways. And she was like, go and stand over there. Just, no, not there. Out yeah. of line of sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. round the corner, around the corner. And uh, I when she finally got the tickets yeah. and basically just like bundled us in and gave me like a pep talk before we went into the, uh, you know, past the ticket manager. She was like, look old, Samuel, look old. And it's like, what do I, what? I don't know. No what rating was Liar Liar? Uh, it was a twelve, I think. Was it? I hope so. I th- I think I think my parents did a similar thing oh, with me. Damn. Um, but it wasn't Liar Liar. Yeah. Um, it was the I mean the very grown up film. Uh, it was uh, the Robin Williams classic Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> which also was a 12 and I was snuck in I thought you were going to say something like The Exorcist then or yeah, something, something really oh rock and no roll. no no much 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 better than that um yeah I remember that I think the the um uh, Mr. Ticketman um actually questioned my age and oh, I think my brilliant. parents kind of just looked at him and went, kind of went yeah he's 12 yeah <laughs> and yeah. he went yeah okay they looked at goes. him and went it's Mrs. Doubtfire. This will be an amusing anecdote on a podcast one day. Come on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like... I'm just, I'm just, one of, my, one of the best things to do to really take all the magic out of cinema is to go to the BBFC uh, website and look at their classifications about films. Because I just, I wanted to double check that this was a 12 when it was released. Mm. Um, and so the BBFC are great. So they give you like a really good and Dan you'll want this when you're like taking Toby to his first movie like they give you really detailed stuff about what happens in a film so you know if it's going to be right for your kid or whatever so this is the BBFC um, ratings info uh, about Liar Liar so they give you a brief summary of the story so Liar Liar is a comedy about a successful lawyer who as a result of his son's birthday wish is unable to lie for 24 hours fair play so far so, so wholesome far. family fun there are frequent moderate sex references including a comic reference to humping her brains out <laughs> and like and lines of dialogue such as bend over and take it up the tailpipe what <laughs> and reference to a woman being ridden more than the seattle slough There are also sounds of a character having sex and reaching orgasm on a tape Played by a character, but there yeah, is—they they didn't give away who the character is. No, 
but there is no visual detail. There is a brief sex scene where a fully clothed woman <laughs> sits astride a man and fumbles with his belt. There are uses of moderate bad language such, such as... I don't know why I would do this, because I'm just going to have to bleep it out anyway, yeah, but... A prick, dickhead, <laughs> as well as uses of milder terms, including bastard, ass, jerk, and shit. I'll be really interested to see which of those milder ones get bleeped out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam, does this all happen in like the opening five minutes? <laughs> Chris and I went uh, to we went we went to the Glinema. Yeah, okay. Uh, which is great fun. So we went. Um, oh my god! Um, shall I shall I just read you the the description? Yes. Well, and we'll try and guess what the uh, and you try and guess what, what the, the film, film is. What the yeah, film was. Okay, yeah. here we go. So, um, it's an action thriller in which a hitman must escape several attempts of his life. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We'll give Pete a chance. Okay. <laughs> Frequent scenes of violence include men being shot and stabbed with resultant sight of blood spray on impact. Standard. One scene shows a man's neck being snapped over a heavy book. That's my favourite scene. <laughs> oh my god. It's, it's extraordinary. That scene is... Oh yeah. my god. In another scene, a man uses a blade to cut another man's eye out, including sight of bloody detail. There is strong language. And you know it's strong because even the BBFC have bleeped these ones out. <laughs> Redacted. Yeah, so I'm not going to say those to save myself a bit of effort in the in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the long run. Uh, so, Pete, what film did Chris and I go to the Glinema to see? So it's a, well, what I don't know, a very hard-boiled action movie. It sounds like I don't know what it would be, but like... well, it's it's quite funny that you actually say reference hard-boiled because. Um, this, that's actually one film. Hang on, hang on. Did on. Pete know he was referencing a film when he said that? Yes. I have seen the movie yeah. Hard Boiled. Okay. You never know with Pete. Because <laughs> um, that, that is definitely one film that this particular film references. Um, mm-hmm. And indeed, I think Hard Boiled is a film that is sort of emblematic of what this film is. It's John Wick 3. John Wick, no, sorry. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, which is Latin for... Parachute. Prepare for war. Well done, Chris. It's like, it's like, you, saw the, it's like you saw the film. Um, so as the BBFC... I mean, they've done all the synopsis for me. I mean, without really ruining anything. But have you, have you guys seen any of the um, uh, John Wick movies before? I I can't say I have. Um, they've they've never really interested me. Um, they always struck me as kind of uh, the much more violent kung fu-y stylings version of a Fast and the Furious film. That's how I that's how I imagined it to be. Um, and I kind of get everything I need from a Fast and Furious film. So I've never really had an interest in John Wick, even though it's kind of slowly become this gargantuan thing that's getting bigger and bigger each each film that comes out it seems to be bigger and bigger i think to be quite reductionist about it the john wick series basically are the best video game movies ever made hands down this looks like max Payne. Mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly what i said but it's like max Payne, uncharted yeah um you know uh gears of war all that kind of all that kind of thing it's it's like 
they're, they're just in, incredible. And I'm, I'm a fan of these kind of things anyway, but I'm particularly fans of movies like this where a director and an actor are completely sort of in sync and are, are sort of at the peak of their powers. So films like uh, Hard Target, Hard Boiled, Ong Back... Um, the Raid. The Raid, Mission Impossible, Fallout. They're all films that have the central core being a director, uh, so say like Christopher, Christopher McQuarrie, and an actor, say like Tom Cruise, working together to complete their vision of of what they want. And John Wick is just absolutely the embodiment of that. And I don't use this word lightly, but it is a performance piece. Like, the amount of work that goes into it. Like, if you watch that video of Keanu, like, he is at now... Uh, I listened to an interview with the director, Chad Stahelski, who's a stuntman, and these are the only films that he makes, which is incredible. Like, they're the only films that he directs. Like, he says that Keanu is now at a competition-level standard firearms shooter. Can you imagine having like, him as a father-in-law? <laughs> How intimidating that would be. Your father-in-law is Baba Yaga. <laughs> but the whole film, the whole film, all three of the films are are a performance piece. Like they are, it's choreography, it's dance, it's it's basically. The, in other interviews, they reference influences of like Buster Keaton and silent movie cinema. Like you know those um, scenes of Buster Keaton when he's standing there and a whole like building lands on him and he's yeah, in the perfect. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that kind of intricate design and movement and placement. And unlike the Fast and the Furious films, which are good and they're fun action romps. Like there's no there's no like delicacy in there. There's no like real finesse, um, right. and like you're, you're you're right. The Fast and Furious films have never been called delicate. But like John Wick does stuff like stripping out the percussion in Vivaldi's um, Autumn and replacing all the percussion with gunshots. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but Pete, 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 they actually had to sing. That sounds great. But they had to sync up the entire sequence. Like they had yeah. to plan the whole sequence so the rhythm of the fighting would correlate with the rhythm of the sh- of the actual music. Okay, just to be clear, that sounds phenomenal, and I would mm-hmm. love I would mm-hmm. love to see that. But also, say that sentence again. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like what? I mean, I mean, I'm sure Vivaldi would be thrilled. <laughs> I mean, it's a very and, aggressive um, season. There's a strange reaction that you have, I think, to films like this where. For some reason, you laugh at, you know, right. something happens like John Wick throws an axe and it goes into someone's head or he's shooting people to Vivaldi's autumn or whatever. And for some reason, like seeing someone perform those those acts just makes you make like the reaction that I find it has in me is like I laugh and I was like turning to Chris yeah. and just going, have we just seen what we've just seen someone do? Yeah. And especially a film like this or like a film like The Raid or Mission Impossible Fallout where you know that um the actors, the performers are doing all those stunts themselves and have 
worked and worked and worked to make sure this is a this is as genuine as an experience as possible mm. like you just have that moment where you just burst out laughing because it's just like i cannot believe i've just been witness to this incredible moment and like the director and the stars have been working together to make sure that like this has been pulled off and been made humanly possible and there was even one moment where i where they're preparing for this big fight and I must have been the most annoying person in the cinema because it was really, really quiet. And then all you would have heard is this zzzz, as I pulled my reclining seat fully forward because I was just like, <laughs> I want to. I am on the edge of my seat, and I've actually got to create an edge now to sit on to watch this final fight. Oh, brilliant! But brilliant. what I do like is that it is, as Sam alluded to, a video game film in the sense that the production design it looks like someone has designed a video game level you know, in real life, and you, you feel like you're engaged in a shooter. Second, with that, they all reload. They all reload weapons. In, like, in, in the second film, for example, he's pinned a bloke down on the floor with a shotgun, realises he can't fire, and he keeps the bloke pinned while he reloads the shotgun. Um, right. he, you see him, everything's reloaded. They've gone to, even though it is ridiculous and farcical in terms of its scope and its world building, which we haven't even gotten onto yet, the actual... Mechanics of the gunfight, the payoff is beautiful because you know that there's, this isn't a, uh, an infinite bullets kind of scenario. That they have to, that he has like right. a belt full of magazines, and you see him run out of those magazines and dump the belt. Say, for example, the director's just like reloading, stupid. And the moment you try and make a film where they're just shooting loads of guns, you immediately understand why reloading's never in an action movie. But he was yeah. like, "But let's make reloading part of part of this." part of this world like he always has to reload um but chris chris alluded to it there about the the thing that i think elevates john wick especially over you know films like fast and the furious and where it joins in my mind things like hard-boiled and the raid is that it has this strange mythology to it like it has this it was something that wasn't really in the first film but um uh, it was really in the second film and they've expanded on it in the third, is that the worlds themselves exist with their own mythology and their own um, sort of um, power structures and their own like internal levels of government and understanding. So there's So in the John Wick world, there are these places called the Continental, which are hotels that are based around the world and basically there are hotels which house criminals and there's a rule where no business in inverted commas can be committed on the on continental grounds so basically right. you have this area uh, there's one in new york you have this area where it's perfectly feasible for assassins that are out to get each other and are actively like out to kill each other will sit down and have a drink together and then they'll leave and they'll carry on their business of like fighting each other. And the economics of the world are driven by these gold coins that all of the assassins use. And that's what they use as like their membership and their currency to to pay for things. And like there will be like homeless people who uh, are, are like the eyes of another like house of assassins or a house of criminals. And so like John Wick might give them a gold coin and they'll hide him. Or there might be a doctor who can give he can give gold coins to that will that will like give him a service. So 
they're all bound by this wonderful sense of like place and governance and mythology which really like it it's great because it allows the film to get away with lots of things that i don't think it would so basically there are scenes where like john wick kills two people with a pencil in the middle of a busy subway and you think how can he get away with that but then you realize that the whole mythology of the world is set up to like take those questions away from you it's kind of like this is a world in which you know, assassins can sit down and have drinks together. And like, this is a world where people make blood pledges to each other and things like that. So it's just like, obviously there must be someone who comes around and just cleans everything up or, you know. It's like, it it sounds like it convinces you that like, no, 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 we've thought about this. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you're prepared to go, oh, okay, well, I'll give you the time of day then. Rather than just like a lot of action movies, which tend to be just like quite dumb. I think this is now the only sequence of films that I've seen that have gotten that get better with every single one. Like right. two right. is better than one, three is better than two. Like hands down, the sequels. Uh, two words: Toy Story. Do you want to hear how far we got on our miles? Oh, we haven't done that in a while. Oh God! It would appear. Yeah. That we have a mole in our league. There's a mole running. Is this the new Sonic? As you may be aware, there is a podcast <laughs> who have deemed us a rival. Oh, this lot. <laughs> and one of one of, <laughs> one of their hosts has found his way yeah. sneakily, oh, thief like, into <laughs> our league. That's cool. League team? Not a league. It's a team. It's a team. We're a team. Yeah, yeah, routine. That's that's completely wrong. We're not. Yeah. It's not a league. It's a team. Because yeah. we're all we're all heading for the same goal. We're, yeah. Um. So yeah. So I'm a bit unsure whether or not I give him the shout out he is oh, so craving. I see. I see. By joining our team. Well, so who is this? Well, I'm gonna have to do it now, aren't I? Because you've, you've you've asked me the question. So the person is because you know what? we're consistent and we're we're friendly to all. Uh. So welcome to the staying in team to Dan Hughes. Oh, uh, yes. from uh, Sporadically Bored, um, another podcast, Ooh. who are also doing a Charity Miles uh, challenge. Yeah. My understanding is they've raised more money than us, but that's fine. That's really good. That's fantastic. Oh, that's yeah. great. More money for charity makes everyone happy. Oh, that's I take it as I take it as we are their inspiration, we can claim Yeah, we should get their know. money. We should we should yeah. definitely, definitely claim that if that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> we should definitely be like, yeah, we uh well, Yeah, it'll be a charity miles care of staying in podcast. It yeah. feels like that sequence in one of the Anchorman films where all these rival nerdy geeky podcasts all team up for like an alleyway brawl. So yeah. far we have raised and I'm gonna approximate it a little bit because there's a okay. few figures I haven't put in yet that I need to kind of work it out. Is at the moment mm. just over eight hundred and sixty dollars. Wow, That's we good. are on court. I mean, our original target was a thousand dollars. Obviously, rocking it. It's May, so well done, everyone in the team. We have yeah. 30, 30 runners now. Is it thirty runners? Think about that. Um, yeah, so yeah, it be so. 30, yeah. Thank you so much to everyone who's joining in. Um, if you're listening and you fancy joining in. You can't. You still can. Just do. uh, download the app, Charity Miles. Uh, you can find us. It's hashtag StainandPod is our team. So you can find us. Join us. It's all free. Uh, you pick your pick your charity, and then 
You turn it on everywhere you walk or you cycle or you run. It'll record where you're going, turn that distance into cash, and it'll go to the charity of your choice. It's, It's a fantastic system, and we're loving doing it. And we're loving having all these people running with us. It's fantastic. Singing my own lyrics to the theme of Game of Thrones. Yes is the one thing I'm going to miss about never having to watch Game of Thrones ever again. Right. I'm so glad that someone else sings along to the theme tune. Well, I do. I mean, and and I created my own my own lyrics which um is go potatoes on. the potatoes the potatoes the potatoes the potatoes the potatoes the potato. Do you yes do you like the potatoes? It's two people really, but it doesn't make much sense when I <laughs> sing call and response. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, so it's like do you do you like the potato? And then the other guy goes, the potatoes, the potatoes, the potatoes. <laughs> yes, I. Yes, I really like the potatoes, it's, the potatoes, It's interesting, the actually, in the last shot of the, of the series, which I'm not going to talk about what it is, they actually have the theme put to, like, a choir. And I'm, I mm-hmm. think I should re-listen to that and just check if that's actually what they're singing. Yeah, whether or not they're saying it. I was listening to the end of it and thinking, oh, can I hear the words? <laughs> what are the words? There's some... my Game of Thrones song is great, but... Probably uh, copyrighted. Are there any other? So my one of my. Are there are there any other games that you play when uh, like the credit sequence is on? Because one of my favourite ones, and I didn't know this until until you pointed it out to me, Sam, was uh, to play the who's got the free who's got the weirdest name in Brooklyn Nine Nine uh, game. Which yeah. is a fantastic. It's unpronounceable. That's I think what Sam says. The unpronounceable name. <laughs> yeah. All, yeah. Really... And then we watched it, and we were like, we can pronounce all of these. Names. No, no, no. But they're all like they're all a bit strange. The names, but like most of right? the credits. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all like, uh, like Dangur, Benchu, <laughs> and um, who are the other ones? It's Dan Gore. That's not. That's not. I don't understand right. why Hold these on. names are Hold strange on. to you. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do opening credits. Here we go. Uh, intro i'll turn the audio off right so you've got andy sandberg fine you've got stephanie bitriz terry cruz fine melissa fumero Fumero. these are Uh, not difficult names who else who's this one joe latruglio like these are all great now these are all great names i don't know how to say andre Brauger? <laughs> Andre Brauer. Come on, these are not difficult names. <laughs> and then you got Goran Shaw at the end. I genuinely think... To be, fa- to, to be fair to Pete, they're difficult names if you don't know how to say them. If you don't know how to say names, it's like... but Like Terry Crewes. Yeah, but you know how to read. You can take it a... You can have a guess. I, I, I take a punt every time, Dan. But, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, oh man, actually, I'm digging through, uh, I'm <laughs> digging through it's so much. Obviously, there's so much good television, and it's not, that's not even a thing to say, is it? But, like, the amount of really good comedy on at the moment is astonishing. Like, especially on Netflix. The, the, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the thing that they did after that, um, uh, the, the good place, oh. um, uh, uh, Cupcake and Dino, which is a bit more of a kiddie animation thing, uh, but also what's that more adult animation one um, about? Oh, about uh, puberty. About puberty. Oh yeah, that's not good. Oh no, it's really good. Like mm. really funny. We're meant to be talking about Game of Thrones. We're meant to be getting that hot oh. SEO. Yeah, it's because Pete hasn't watched Game of Thrones. He wants to talk about his random animated indie thing that All no right, one has seen. Me. Okay, here's the thing. 
obviously, let's definitely not spoil any of it. But have you guys all seen the end of season eight? Eight, eight seasons. Why, why are we not allowed to spoil any of it? Because you're the only one here that you're the only one here that hasn't seen it. Because I don't, I don't think we should spoil. It. I, th- I think the 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 moratorium on it is not out yet. Uh, like it isn't possible for Brit- people in Britain to actually like see it legally yet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. It, it it was broadcast the same time in the UK as it was in the US. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. I didn't. That didn't used to be the case, did it? It used to be that yeah, you had to it did. get it elsewhere. Oh, all right, fine, fair enough. Well, I just knew a load of scumbags who pirated it then. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to hear any spoilers. Um, okay. What? First of all, <laughs> what happens? <laughs> First question, uh, was, did season eight, was season eight worth the additional time they gave per episode? Uh, no. Yes. Conflicting. Uh, so. Can I, can I, can I give a, a reason for that? Yes, please do. I'm looking to you, Dan. Dan, for why, yes? I say yes, because... The story they're telling in that episode is helped by the extended length of that okay. of that story. Okay. Now, I know where Sam's coming from, and there is a way that I could look at it and say no, but I would say for the story that they're telling in the long episodes, yeah, most of them anyway, I think the longer longer time is warranted. Okay. Okay. Uh question number 2. Is the ending satisfying? Has it been worth Eight seasons uh, to get to the ending. That's a very difficult question for me to answer. Like, do you feel like if you if somebody okay, here's the thing. Let's say, for example, I I took out my Men in Black pen and I can and I would say to you, Dan, I can I can Men in Black you right, and you will forget certain things right, and specifically, I'm going to make you forget eight seasons of Game of Thrones, right? Do you want me to do this to you so you can go and enjoy the whole thing all over again and get really... Oh, yeah, get it. Or would you prefer your time back? Oh, no, I, if, if those are the two options... These are the two options I'm giving you in this hypothetical. Then I'd though. watch it again. Because I've really enjoyed the experience of watching okay. it. Okay. I don't I don't finish it and say I've wasted my time. There are problems... Okay. Especially in the final couple of series. Right. But for me, those aren't narrative problems. They're problems of execution. Okay. And then the final question, the third question. Uh, how many dice do you have to roll in the Game of Thrones? Ooh. I'd say three. Mm-hmm. One. A D20. A D6. And a D10. Oh, some good Ds. Love lo- love some good D. Um, good. Uh, they're, they're my three questions. That'll do. Yep. <laughs> so do you, pl- do you plan on watching it, Peter, at any point? No. Fair enough. No, that's, that's fair enough. It's, what's, it's... Your re- what's your reason then for not wanting spoilers? Considering you have no intention of experiencing it yourself. Because I... It's the it the, the two reasons. One, uh, I would like an episode of this podcast where people don't have to like skip forward 10, 15 minutes. That's true. Uh, um, and the second reason is 
Dan, can I tell you about... Would you be interested if I told you about what is currently happening in uh, the uh, in the penultimate books of the Games Workshop uh, series Horus Heresy. Can I tell you about what's happening at the moment and, and on the on about the journey to Terra and how uh, the like what's been happening with the Dark Angels, what the Ultramarines up to, what's Rabut Gilliman up to? How, like, do you want me to tell you about how uh, about the the Primaris Initiative? And uh, and all that sort of stuff. Shall I tell you all about? Not it? really. No, that's the same for me in Game of Thrones. It's like okay, okay, are, okay. Uh, but like... but if you Sam and Chris wanted to talk about it, I wouldn't say no, 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 no. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, and what a beautiful what a beautiful day that would be if if Chris were to turn around to me and say, "Tell me all about Angron." <laughs> uh, so oh. yeah. It was all right, Game of Thrones. <laughs> it was all right. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, what, I think if we can talk about it purposely without giving the big spoilers away, I think so. For me to elaborate on some of my earlier answers, the issues were, I think, after the end of season five, maybe season six. Um, I can only imagine it's a contractual thing because they must have wanted to keep Game of Thrones going for as long as possible. Everything was building then towards the end point in season eight, and it kind of sped up an awful lot. One of the great things about Game of Thrones, in the early season, at least for me anyway, was that slow burn of the story. And it just kind of giving it to you little bit by piece. And there's a lot of kind of character development that that allowed. Um, towards the end, it all started rushing. And suddenly you were kind of like thrown because, hang on a minute, getting from place A to place B used to take an entire series. You've done it between episodes now. That kind of thing throw through me a bit, and then as that as the seasons went on, especially in this final season, the narrative decisions they make, I didn't have a problem with. I agreed with all the narrative decisions. I didn't have a problem with any of them, and some of them have been controversial, but I I was happy with all of them. But the execution, I didn't accept. I needed more to get to decisions that certain characters might have made. I needed more time to allow them to get to that position, rather than it seemingly happening very quickly. And the story beats had been set in before, but it's still the flip was too quick. And obviously people are listening. They know exactly some of the things I'm talking about there. Um, And that was where my problem was. The actual decisions themselves, perfectly happy with those. And some of those people didn't like, some of them they did like. I didn't have a problem with them. My problem was I didn't buy the character motivations in order to do certain things. Because for me... It could have done with another season, maybe potentially another two, just to just to plot it a little bit nicer. I can only think that it was contractual that they had to end it at this point because it. And I think the general consensus is it felt rushed. Um, you only had six episodes this season. I think you only had seven in the previous season, and there's just not enough time to to tie up all the loose ends and tell the story that the previous six seasons had built up. See, I hear you say that, and I wonder why you never enjoyed Mad Men, because that is exactly what makes Mad Men, like, one of the greatest shows that has ever been, like, oh, you want to buy a company? We're going to take 20 episodes to really dive deep into the economics of buying other companies. (laughs) Meanwhile, here's sex and drugs. 
Um, and alcohol. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll answer that for you. I didn't. I I watched a few episodes and it didn't grab me. And then I didn't stick with it because it hadn't grabbed me. Game of Thrones did grab me right at the start. Yeah, oh, that's because of all the tits and the dragons. Um, <laughs> that's a direct quote from the BBFC. <laughs> um, but I like dragons. Using Mad Men as an example, and indeed shows like The Sopranos and The Wire, and to a certain extent, extent Gilmore Girls, but not really because that didn't really finish. But what about Breaking Bad? Um. Yeah, okay. On reflections of history and from a critical point of view, why those series and why those TV shows are deemed to have pulled off their ending was that, like Game of Thrones, which was a series that played with your uh, uh, expectations of what fantasy and TV shows are and always tried to subvert your expectations in that way, uh, where Mad Men and The Sopranos, especially, and The Wire were doing the same things. Those series subverted your expectations on how a series would end it, but never did that at the expense of character and of what those characters were. However, Game of Thrones completely, in my opinion, did that, where... They tried to subvert the expectations of how this series was going to end and where and what was going to happen to bring it all together. But they did it purely at the expense of the characters rather than finding a, a, a good narrative way to, to bring it all to a close, which is why I think that if you were to go back and watch it, you would feel exactly the same by the time you got to the end of the series. Whereas when I thought and gone back and watched like the last episode of Sopranos or the last episode of Breaking Bad or The Wire or Mad Men, each time I've been able to go, huh, that's actually exceptionally good. And there are different ways that I can read that ending and look into it and there and it's layered and it's depth and you know, it's all the wonderful things a TV show will be. However, when you, I think if you were to go back and watch the, the finale of season eight of Game of Thrones, I think you'd, dollars to donuts, you'd feel just as shortchanged and maybe a little bit unhappy about it as you do now. Because it's just, everything is sacrificed. Characters basically are sacrificed to try and subvert the genre and your expectations, which is totally the wrong way to, to, to go about it. And also it was too short and no one's been able to explain to me why they did that when they didn't need to do that. This was a very odd one for me, really. Um, I didn't feel like I was watching it at my own pace. And I felt that if I'd watched this series at my own pace where I wouldn't have watched it weekly, I would have let time pass between episodes, which would have made it feel more substantial, where mm. a lot of that lifting of characters jumping from one place to another that Sam says, which usually would take ages to happen, would actually happen in my own head, I'd probably enjoy it more and I'd savour it more knowing that it's only six episodes. Like a colleague of mine, John, he's a massive West Wing fan and he's still not watched the last episode. He's, he, he loves the fact that it's just there. At some point he can go and finish it. And so he likes leaving that thread dangling. Whereas there is that kind of pressure now that you want to be part of that conversation. You want to be part of that group of people who... Um, frozen their two cents as to whether they like this particular bit or dislike this particular bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
I found out today that one of my former students I used to teach is actually a very, he's quite big on the internet in terms of his Game of Thrones reaction videos. That's cool. I know, he was interviewed by Sky about it. Uh, really? This, yeah, it's extraordinary for his opinions on uh, the polarising effect of this season. And I think it's just okay. been part of that buzz um, that I never had before that I don't really like now. So it's, that buzz has left a bit of taste in my mouth. I actually genuinely think I'd enjoy this series more if I watched it after the buzz had died down. And I would have probably heard on the grapevine, oh, yeah, by the way, if you're going to watch this last season, just take your time a bit because it goes too fast. Um, um, Just bear that in mind. So um, it's been a bit of an odd one, really, for me. There was one character misstep I didn't really like. um, But other than that, I could see it. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm happy about it. But then again, it's Game of Thrones. It's, It's not supposed to end like Lord of the Rings. I, I, I'm still a bit of a gog as to this petition to rewrite the season. I think if you, rather than writing a petition, you should just try and go off and somehow create your own version of it, whether it be, I don't know, fan fiction, whether it be animation, film, whatever, um, really. There are tools at your disposal to create your own version of that season. Here we go. Uh, the BBFC, we're back again. Um, oh, hello. 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 Okay, so this film was released in uh, 2017. Mm. Contains mild threat. It was a PG, okay? Okay. So there are scenes in this film in which the lead character is rescued from drowning. Okay. He floats on a log, and then he's trapped in a train carriage that's fallen into a river. There is some tension and a sense of danger... Yes. But it's quite brief, and the outcome is reassuring, which Aww. is good. That sounds um, nice. There, that sounds there like are also nice some movie. scenes of comic threat played as slapstick, with characters attempting to cross from one moving train to another. Paddington 2. He didn't tag. Tag. Didn't tag. Paddington 2. Okay. Really? Um, yes, it is. Yes, language. well done. I, I was going to say, you really? had to tell him who was right yeah. or wrong. You, oh, no, you're correct, yeah. <sighs> It's an amazing film. It's an amazing, amazing film. You didn't let me get to the best bit, which was there is infrequent use of very mild bad, la- bad language, such as bottoms and... What? Oh, my God. Paddington? <laughs> Paddington 2. Eat those fucking marmalade sandwiches of yours. <laughs> well done, Pete. So now you've just got to get one. And, All right. Um, okay. But we'll save, that. we'll save that for later. All right. Save that little treat. The other thing I don't really like about Game of Thrones is it is, it is one of those film, uh, like series that I think would stress me out because I've seen a couple of episodes and I think I'd get like a bit anxious about everyone. Like, I hope they're going to be all right. Oh, no. Um, how, how would you feel if you could... I'm not saying we're going to tell you now, but if you could sit there and know the outcome of all the characters. Um, sometimes I actually read... Uh, the synopsis of horror movies on Wikipedia. I do the exact same thing. I love it so much. We should do a podcast on it. It's gonna be great. I genuinely thought that'd be a great. That'd be a great, great podcast series of like people just very dryly reading the synopsis for horror movies. What like a true crime like case file kind well, of. Well, like look. Okay, hold on a second. Right, hold on. All hold right, on, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, it's it's basically the spoiler paradox, isn't it? Which is proving that actually deep down people enjoy knowing what's going to happen. Okay, let me give you an example of how of how Pete and Dan's uh, reading a horror synopsis <laughs> podcast works. Okay, right. Okay, this is cross pro- okay. cross promo marketing. Okay, so 
basically, hello everyone, hello everyone, <laughs> welcome to Dan. <laughs> Hi guys. No, 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 no. Right, okay. This is <laughs> right. this. No, this is how Pete and Dan's horror oh. podcast. This is this is how it works. This is the opening, right? This is this is how you open it. All right, I'm going to be exact producing, so this is how you open. Okay. okay. Nothing. Okay. Boo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Right. I, I, I love the fact that Sam, you you explained Pete's podcast, Dan's podcast, which is about explaining. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So okay. So, and I just explained what you did. Ah, we've got. I'm Dan, and he's Pete. We've got a brand new episode for you. But before that, make sure that you subscribe to Audible and use our post, post uh, little passcode because then we get a kickback. How, how, hang on, hang on. How come right. you guys have got We've advertising? Got advertising. We've got advertising. It's fine. It's fine. Now, listen. listen. This okay. is a million dollar idea. So. Right. Okay. So, okay. And uh, here's, here's, here's a line. And, th- and then you can imagine like blah, 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 like midway through. Uh, Tom Six returns to the prison where he's met by Bill and Dwight. Touring the cells, the trio discover a mentally unstable inmate who is eating his own feces and wants to be sewn into the centipede. Right now, now imagine, right, imagine that. But for like, you just read the Wikipedia entry for an hour. That's worse. But like, like one, like every episode is a movie where you just read the Wikipedia entry. Perfect. Like and subscribe. What better way to be described that movie than by someone very cheery and very pleasant just telling you that, you know, uh, uh, Bill and Dwight observe the Operation with Six, who vomits after seeing the death row inmates being dismembered for a special project. Perfect. When was the last time, Dan, you worked on a special project? Well, I'll tell you, Pete. It writes itself. Well, you know, I don't throwing in smaller sides well, as well. Well, yeah. I don't know, but but one special oh, you've got project. You got to take diversions. One special project I've got at the moment is I need to build a new website. How would I do? That? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, um, but but yeah, like I I get stressed out about all that sort of stuff. Um, so I can't I can't really take those things on board. So instead, what I mean, and I, I just have not been able to have stressful things in my life at the moment. Um, so instead. Um, mm. I have been playing now. Sam, you recommended these. Um, Bart Bonte is it Bonte? Bonte? Oh my gosh! Pete's inability to pronounce anything. Should we get the Brooklyn Nine Nine cast in here to explain? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bart Bonte. I believe he's a. I believe he is a a, a Belgian developer. Uh, he made. Uh, well, he's made a lot of games, uh, but um, uh, Yellow, Red, and Black are the three that mm-hmm. I've been playing. Because you recommended uh, that I go and check out what was it, Black? That you Black, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, two for you first. I'm going to go and uh, play all three of them. Uh, it's a it's a trilogy of games that are all obviously related around one color, um, and they're very much um, they're very much in the spirit of what you were recommend, like what we were talking about last time, uh, which was Peter forgot. Um, Hook. Which was Hook, uh, the nice relaxing puzzle game. And while these games, they're not quite as meditative, but they definitely do have that. Hmm. They have that thoughtfulness about them. They have that like. So the the what I really love about them is that you really do. So you've got these, got each of these individual games, and the whole thing is that they they revolve around these different colours. And the idea is that you need to have the entire screen filled with this 
color yellow let's say in yellow and um to do that you'll have to complete certain puzzles and they're all they're all quite different um and uh, so one of them might be you've got little black squares and and then some yellow squares and when you slide up it looks like you're coloring the black squares yellow where you're sliding a specific yellow um tile up and it's like leaving almost like a trail of of color where it goes and then you fill the whole thing in you, you do all the swipes that you need to do and you fill in the whole thing yellow and then you move on to the next level and each of these there's 50 levels in each of these there's 150 across these three games and you, there's no instructions straight out the gate they just say to you they they just give you the number of the level and then perhaps there's like very vague clue of like you know like um they might just have like numbers for example and that might be some vague hint as to what what needs to be done but generally they don't have anything like that and you just have to tap on the screen and swipe and slide and mm -hmm. do things in a different order and maybe be hit to a rhythm and you have to figure out what the game wants you to do and none of it's particularly complicated and indeed there is a hint system that you can um, that you can engage with if you really get stuck and i i got stuck i must admit i got stuck two or three times across the across the three games um because some of them are right uh uh teasers yeah um but my god what they're very good aren't they they are very good and they are exactly mm. you were bang on they are exactly what i needed very very good at distracting the mind and focusing on the task um, of doing the thing, you know? Like, sometimes when I'm playing games, like, my mind starts to wander and go into different areas of, like, like you know, I'm thinking, I'm stressed out about something, and I'll be, I'll, I'll, you know, you'll be running around in Assassin's Creed, and, it, you know, real life starts entering, oh, I should really do the dishwasher, and, you know, I should take the bins out, and I should do this. Um, but Actually, these I've games are like... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news but like these games don't do that these games are like pay attention like figure us out and they're they're yeah. so they're not rapid fire but they are that you it's very rare that you're stuck on a puzzle for more than four or five minutes um and it just yeah it just absorbs your attention when you come out the end of them like they're very you just feel like oh that was really that was really satisfying I finished a game I solved all those puzzles. I feel very smart. Yeah, and and also all your troubles, you've forgotten about them temporarily, and they're oh, just really lovely, really good games. Um, that that that's the that's the key is that feeling of, um, kind of like ownership of your own intelligence. Mm. Um, because obviously you you need to be. I think you need to be like quite smart to play something like Ganshon Clever or you know like Minesweeper or games where you already know the mechanics and you figured out the puzzle. Like if you're playing Assassin's Creed, for example, you have to be pretty smart to hold all of those mechanics in your head, know exactly what you're doing, what your objectives are. But I think what black yellow and red do well hooks similar and um i'll go back to it but journal 27 as well is that they give you a certain ownership over your own intelligence and that's frustrating because in the same way it makes you feel very smart it also can make you feel very 
um, stupid yeah, feeling, no, really. No one likes no one... to feel like they're silly, do they? No, yeah, exactly. And so it's always a dangerous kind of game to play with. Um, but I think where black, yellow and red do it really well is that for some somehow the designer manages to get that balance perfectly right where just at the moment that you're feeling like I am not clever enough to do this puzzle, yeah. you will figure it out. Or yeah. they or the design of them is so simple that it sticks in your mind so well that you won't be thinking about it and like going to work or going to get a cup of tea and you'll suddenly go that's yep. how it's done yes or yes, maybe yes. i should try that and yes. so that's that's a wonderful feeling and even though it's the designer's intelligence that has got you to that point and not necessarily that you've right. become smarter right. right the design makes you feel like that is it's your own intelligence that has got you to that point and mm-hmm. that's you know why you feel so good yeah. good while you're playing it and it's all it's this strange shared sort of emotional state or, or mental state where where i i know the the feeling that he's trying to engender in me of mm-hmm. successfully completing this puzzle mm-hmm. and we've and we've sort of shared that as as creator and as uh, you know, um, viewer, you know, um, and I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's it's lovely. I love these little these little puzzle things, and I think his 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 ones are just ace. Yeah. I think they're very clever. I, I really hope he does. I really hope he does another color soon. Which color would you? Which color would you have him do next if you could? Pink. He's, pink. Mm. I think actually like a soft lilac. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I actually quite like that. A, a, a glaring neon one? No, absolutely not. But a nice soft. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Like pastel pink. Mm-hmm. Mm, like a yeah. pastel. Yeah. I'll yeah. be up for that. Do we have any uh, questions, Pete? We do have questions, um, and we need some more actually. Uh, so uh, send them to stayinginpod at gmail dot com, uh, or via Twitter at stayinginpod, via Facebook. Uh, which is also at Staying in Pod. And did you know, you can now go to stayinginpodcast.com. <gasps> I know, we have a .com now. Isn't that exciting? Like, we're real. <sighs> we always spirit. swore we'd never go the corporate route. I know. Hang look on. at us. Hang on. Look Selling at us. Out. Corporate shills. Stayinginpodcast.com. I'm testing it out. Go on. It will go straight through to... Oh, is it just pictures? It's pictures of you nude, Pete. Yeah, well, listen. It's you cycling. Oh, no! I needed, I needed content. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing what they did with the Sonic trailer, that conspiracy. Yeah. Get as yeah, much negative right. press as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so you can do all that stuff. Uh, and um, at Bailey Neal has sent us something. Thank you very much, at Hello. Bailey Neal. Hello, Hello there. Um, they send us a very serious question, actually. Um, no. And I'm sorry about this, Jeez. but uh, oh, I think God. this one takes a little bit of... Uh, let's just all calm down for a moment. Take a breath. Ready. And answer the question, if each of you was a pizza, what pizza would you be and why? Now, I think we should collectively decide what everybody else is as a can pizza. We, can we pick from an established menu? Hmm... Uh, yeah, you know what? Okay, let's go on to... All right, hold on. Open up. Hmm. Okay. 
Right, now you've got to pick them. Right. I used to work at Pizza Hut. So... Okay, okay. What were the perks of the job, Sam? Uh, free pizza at lunch, but we could only ever have three toppings. What? I know. Okay, uh, let's go with the... Uh, okay, I'm going to work from the standard, which is the Pizza Hut menu. Okay, uh, I'm on the Pizza Hut menu. Oh, my God. Well, now oh, I have to get the Pizza Hut menu. Right? Oh, this looks... Oh. oh, God, do you know what? Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> what have they done to food? <laughs> what is that? Uh, what? Okay, let's go with Dan. Let's pick on Dan first. Uh, what? What kind? Okay, what kind of base is Dan? A uh, deep pan. He's a deep pan, deep, isn't he? He's deep a, pan. I I would agree with you. He's a deep pan. Um, what now? What sort of a topping? I think for me, for me, Dan is reliable. Okay, he, he is a classic. Personally, now you may not agree with me on this one. But I think I, I I would call him a supreme. Okay, now the supreme has chicken breast, uh, it has black yeah. olives, beef, pepperoni, mm. red onions, and mixed peppers. Now the thing is that sounds that sounds as if that's that's going to be very satisfying. But you're also there's nothing on there where you go I don't know what I'm going to get here. That's true. You you look at it and you go you know what I'm going to be very happy with that. And that to does me, a person does a person have to enjoy the pizza that they are? No, absolutely not. Okay, good. yeah. So uh, what we're saying is Dan Supreme Frost is what we're going. That, with. Yes, that. Well, I'm okay. not saying that, but let's go. You said it. It's, it's in. It's, it's done true. and dusted. I am chomping down on that bad boy. So there's one pizza here that prides itself on having hand torn ham. Mm. What, so basically, right? Let's find. Let's do Chris because that's easy. Because we'll okay. find the pizza that's got the most toppings. Yeah, on it. it's just it's uh, just <laughs> it's just all of them mashed yeah, together. It's it's, it's but, four pizzas, but also on the thinnest base, which I think is a pizza colada flatbread, which okay. is pineapple, jackfruit, sweet corn, peppers, yeah. red onions, rockets yeah. on the thinnest base, all for four hundred and sixty calories. That's Chris all over the shop. Very very <laughs> yeah. uh, exciting menu there, but. Uh, <laughs> But also, he would order four of them. Uh, so, uh, I'll stack them. Um, let's go with you, Sam. Uh, Hello. I think a. I think you're doing most of the work here, Pete. Do you know what? I, do you know what I know a lot about pizzas? Uh, what kind of base and crust? A cheesy bites for sharing. <laughs> Someone to share. Very gregarious. Gluten free. Gluten-free. What does that say about me if you think I need a gluten-free it says, base? It says, it says that you're health-conscious. You're always thinking about the things that you put into your body. Oh, right, right okay. Right? Yeah, fair enough. And then... There's a feel-good flatbread. There's a virtuous veg. There, right, okay. What's on the virtuous veg, Chris? <laughs> the virtuous veg, Peter, contains fresh spinach, mixed peppers, red onions, mushrooms, and cherry tomatoes topped with rocket. A virtuous veggie, mate. Done. And then Pete is right. I think Pete is definitely a deep Jeez. pan, deep pan cheesy bites. And yeah, I can see him enjoying those just just a little, little bit at a time. Yeah, but like cheesy bites seems like a guy that's good for sharing. But what, what, what about a Texas meat meltdown? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a description of that time that Pete went rogue. For me, I agree with you on the Texas meat meltdown. 
Uh, mm-hmm. It feels like a pizza that just goes like you, there's no. It, it's not on volume level two or three. It is volume level eleven immediately. Yeah, yeah, it is like it is like you are going to go to sleep after this pizza. Um, but you know, but you know that you're too much, so that's why you've got the cheesy bites. Just to, you need to, yeah, you need to offload little, that little little pop on the side. Well, that yeah. was a, that was a very good question. We're not actually sponsored by Pizza Hut, but um, I'm really hungry now. I strongly yeah, so. recommend you don't eat there because it looks they look awful. <laughs> they look like abominations <laughs> against God. So, like, it's good uh, that we we're, we're fair and balanced here. We give them a good five minutes of advertising and then destroy them. <laughs> right, one final uh, BBFC yeah, um, game. <laughs> You've got this. Uh, on, Pete. Yeah, okay. Got this, Me and Chris could okay. win it, or you could make it even. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here we go. So, um, the film includes scenes where characters face danger as they're chased by villains and are caught up in what appears to be an earthquake. This is very critical coming from the BBFC. There are fighting scenes, but the action is unrealistic without injury detail. And the intensity is punctuated by humour and a focus on the heroes handling the threat by being resourceful. Um, the, the, there is very mild, rude humour with references to peeing and a character's nakedness. There is very mild innuendo in references to a character's flirting technique and a very oblique drug reference relating to a fantastical gaseous substance. Is this... This is Detective Pikachu. Well done! It's Detective <laughs> Pikachu! <laughs> I knew I had to pick a movie that you'd seen within the last 48 hours oh, yeah, to have any yeah. chance. Because oh. otherwise it's just it's just gone. It's just gone. There is also very mild bad language. Hell, geez, God, and damn, and a line in which a character exclaims, Osh. Oof. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad that the BBFC is there to safeguard. Ever us. vigilant. Ever vigilant. <laughs> So that was Staying In with Daniel Frost, Peter Willington, Chris Darby and myself, Sam Turner. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our episode. Make sure that you tell a friend about the podcast if they're not already listening to it. It's the best way to get the word out there. If you want, you can still join our charity Miles team. Just download the app from your app store. Search for us, hashtag Staying In Pod. And there you can help us walk, run and cycle to raise money for charity. Also, while you're on the internet, stayinginpodcast.com is the destination where you can find out all the details from previous shows, our Board Game Geek and Steam curation pages, also the best place to go to ask us a question. I'd start at the Twitter feed, at stayinginpod. But for now, until the next show, it's a goodbye from us. Ta-ta!